AI is a fundamental existential risk for human civilization. So, so there'll certainly be a lot of job disruption because what's going to happen is robots will be able to do everything better than us. I mean, all of us, you know. Because you've got companies that are racing, that they kind of have to race to build AI or they're going to be made uncompetitive. Essentially, if your competitor is racing to build AI and you don't, they will crush you. You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Hi, everyone. Elon Musk considers artificial intelligence, that is, smart machines that act like humans, as a fundamentally different and potentially dangerous kind of technology. Of course, anything that acts like humans is likely a danger to civilization. So when robots rule the world, I don't expect much to change. And in the meantime, the master-slave relationship still remains tilted towards humans. On today's program, how biological persons can exploit AI technology to get a leg up on competitive analysis. Uh, essentially, you have more, to, more than ever to do and not enough time to do it. That's where the power of, of AI technology comes in. How AI can transform the IR workflow. We'll bring you highlights from the latest IR Magazine webinar. And even if AI may save you oodles of time, sitting down to read all the longer features in your new copy of IR Magazine might still seem daunting. So why not listen instead? More and more subscribers are tuning in to a special selection of features from each print magazine that are also available as audio articles. Our latest edition includes very listenable reports on things like global shareholder ID, how to revive the U.S. IPO market, and an inside look into the award-winning IR strategies at Sherwin-Williams, Baidu, and AstraZeneca. Later on, we'll have a taste of the power of the spoken word with Garnet Roach's investigation into how Turkish IR teams deal with turbulent times. What a Turkish IRO deals with in a year... IROs working in the developed markets might not face in their entire career. That's Masters of Crisis Management, coming up after this week's IR News. A sea change in shareholder activism across Asia has seen the number of companies publicly targeted more than double between 2013 and 2016. And a recent report by research firm Activist Insight points to several developments that suggest activism will continue to increase. These include governments pushing for improved corporate governance, new domestic activist fund launches, and the ready availability of opportunities. The report also reveals that activists are increasingly looking to foreign institutional investors and family offices as fertile ground for their campaigns. China's mutual fund market has doubled over the past three years, putting it on course to become Asia's largest. A new report from Shanghai-based consultancy firm Zben Advisors projects China's industry to continue to grow 15% annually for the next five years. About three dozen global managers have already joined the market, and Zben Advisors expects that number to rise to 50 by next year. And finally, oil giant BP has named a new head of IR. 
Craig Marshall will replace Jessica Mitchell, who is set to retire at the end of October. Marshall, currently head of BP's North America IR team, joined the firm more than 20 years ago. He served, among other roles, as head of finance based in Egypt, vice president of finance for BP's Global Wells organization, and IR manager based in BP's London headquarters. Marshall's team was distinguished at this year's IR Magazine Awards ceremony in New York, where BP won the accolade for Best IR by a non-U.S. or Canadian company in the U.S. market. to crisis communications, few do it better than Turkish investor relations teams. Let's listen now as Lori Havlock reads Garnet Roach's Masters of Crisis Management, an audio article from the fall edition of IR Magazine. What a Turkish IRO deals with in a year, IROs working in the developed markets might not face in their entire career, says Nursel Ilgen head of investor relations at TAV Airports Holding. It's a statement that's certainly true of recent times. Over three years, the country saw a presidential election, two general elections and a constitutional referendum. It's been the target of numerous terrorist attacks, an attempted coup followed by a wide crackdown on suspected supporters of US-based preacher Fatula Gulen and, at the time of writing, continues to be in a state of emergency. All this with the backdrop of Syria's six-year civil war continuing along around 500 miles of Turkey's southern border. Turkey does, however, have a history with crises and IR professionals in general are well prepared. The industry Ilgen works in, operating 17 airports across three continents, means the share price has been hit by everything from earthquakes to ash clouds. Various conflicts, Ilgen mentions Afghanistan, Iraq and the Russia-Georgia wars, as well as the Turkish military shooting down of a Russian jet in 2015, and pandemics such as SARS and avian flu. But 2016 was different. On June the 28th, suicide bombers attacked Istanbul's Ataturk airport, which is also TAV's head office and the IR team's base, killing 45 people. A little over two weeks later, the airport was the focus for thousands of people who came out in support of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan as an ultimately failed coup unfolded across the city. Events like these require crises communications in the extreme. Sani Sena, TAV's CAO, joined the team working through the night following the terrorist attack, with TAV eventually setting a benchmark by reopening the airport just eight hours later. Compare this with the 12 days it took to reopen Brussels Airport just a couple of months earlier, and you get an idea of the work that went into achieving that. Quote, Leadership is key during times of crises, and hands-on leadership is a must, says Ilgen. Our CEO was at the airport until the morning, when flights restarted. He dealt with all stakeholders, which Turkish Airlines, TAV's major customer, with the security forces. Having the CEO on hand also helped people put the focus on the business at a time when it would have been very easy to become overwhelmed. Quote, you can become very emotional, of course, and it was very sad, but we were aware that we had our jobs to do, Ilgen adds. 
The attack also hit TAV with a 6.5% drop in the share price. Then came the coup attempt, with more than 100,000 people descending on the airports to protest. Quote, there wasn't any loss of life that night, says Ilgen, but managing the crisis was very tough because you had to try and calm the protesters, and they were ready to die at the airport. Tanks were on the road, planes were bombing the Turkish parliament, and, of course, flights were cancelled and diverted. The IR team's own offices were also damaged. TAV took a far harder hit on the share price after that event. Quote, the market was down by 7%, recalls Ilgen, but our share price was down by 17% because the attempted coup also affected the image of Turkey. Prior to these events, Ataturk Airport had been the 11th busiest in the world and the third busiest in Europe, with more than 61 million passengers passing through in 2015. In 2016, however, tourist numbers to Turkey dropped by 30% to 25.4 million the lowest level since 2007, and the story became much more about reputation management, not just for TAV, but also for Turkey as an investment destination, says Ilgen. Quote, the market reaction was severe, but we tried to be calm, we tried not to be emotional, and we tried to be open and available to all investors, she says, adding that TAV has long taken a proactive approach to IR, putting it in a better position during bad times. We tried to prioritise corporate reputation rather than looking at the share price. As well as the everyday contact with investors, which included being available on WhatsApp, as well as many difficult calls with retail investors, Hamdi Akin, TAV's chairman, wrote a letter to investors detailing his faith in the Turkish economy and the country's ability to bounce back after numerous crises faced during his tenure at TAV, including a successful coup. Quote, we pointed out that we thought the Turkish economy would be resilient to these kinds of shocks. It has been proven many times in the past, explains Ilgen. We went beyond our company's situation and invited investors to keep their investment in Turkey to come and invest in the country. The coup attempt happened on Friday, July 15th, 2016. By Monday, the company had also taken out an ad, in a simpler form but a similar vein to Aiken's investor letter, in the Financial Times. This focus on reputation and perception management is something that Hamdan Saigen, senior vice president of IR at Garanti Bank, also brings up. Quote, the perception of the country was definitely affected, she notes. And even though Garanti certainly wasn't hit in the same way TAV was, investors like tourists simply don't want to go to Turkey. Sagan says that in an average year, around a quarter of Garanti's investor meetings are held at its head office. In the second half of last year, the IR team saw a 59% drop in the number of investors coming to Istanbul. But the team managed to keep up its meeting numbers and simply travelled more often emphasising the same points TAV was making to its investors. Turkey has been through worse and come out stronger. Quote, Unfortunately, Turkey has been a crisis-heavy country, says Saigin. In the past, we have succeeded in transforming crisis into opportunity and come out stronger, so we just alluded to our track record and how agile and dynamic we can be. Last year, there was so much uncertainty around the political situation. We didn't know what had happened right after the coup attempt, but we stayed close to the investors, sharing our personal views and experiences very openly. We continued communicating in a more proactive manner, and that is the key. We always answer the phones. We are always available. I remember investors emailing me and calling me on the night of the coup attempt, for instance. Confusion reigned for a short time, but by the Monday, Sagan says things were largely under control again and the message was sent out. We are back at work. Quote, things are back to normal and the bank is strong. We tried very hard to deliver that message very loudly to all of our shareholders. 
Part of operating in a crisis-heavy emerging market country like Turkey means making space for the unpredictable, and Garanti Bank could send this message in part because of the precautions it takes. The bank runs, quote, well above required levels of capital, something that probably has a negative impact on our profitability, notes Sagan, but it's better to err on the side of safety. After the coup attempt, we talked about how prepared we are, how dynamically we can run the balance sheet, and how strong we are in terms of capital and liquidity. All this helps to give investors the confidence that we'll remain strong. This obviously worked for Garanti Bank. Crisis or no crisis, the team is constantly targeting new investors, says Sagan, with a focus on long-term SRI or DR investors. Though in 2016 it also worked to retain investors, adding new tools such as C-suite interviews to its Garanti TV platform. Quote, we interviewed executives, including the CEO, from across the bank, and they answered the most frequently asked questions in their area of expertise. And, despite the drop in investor visits to Turkey, the team managed to maintain meeting numbers and levels of foreign ownership. Quote, it was short-term hedge funds and domestic traders that affected us the most, notes Sagan, but we didn't see a big amount exiting the stock. Our national foreign ownership remains at pretty high levels, more than 90% of our 50.07% free float, despite all the volatility in Turkey. That hasn't been the case for Turkey as a whole, however. Looking at Q1 data from IPRIO over the last six years, foreign investment into Turkey hit a high of $42.8 billion in Q1 2013. But by Q1 2017, that figure had almost halved to just $23.7 billion. A similar picture is seen across investor types. In Q1 2013, growth investors poured $16.2 billion into the country, with around $13.4 billion coming from value investors. Those figures have been falling ever since, with value investors marginally overtaking growth by 2016, and each group investing less than $8 billion in Q1 2017, a far cry from the peaks of 2013. This move from growth to value was something TAV tapped into after 2016, however. The company had taken such a hit that Ilgen and her team pushed for an emergency guidance review. This revision predicted a 20% cut to, quote, origin and destination passengers, or those not taking connecting flights, with the actual figure coming in at pretty close to predictions at 16%. Recognising its discount status, TAV began more aggressively targeting value investors. Between June the 28th and the end of 2016, the IRT met with more than 300 investors. Quote, our focus switched from growth to value investors, says Ilgen. And while the share price continued to drop for a while, long-term investor confidence in the company was bolstered because we made ourselves very available during the crises. We showed investors that they could get to the bottom of even unthinkably bearish exogenous events within our company. From the lows after the event, the share price has recovered close to 60% and we gained many new investors as a result of the whole process. Of course, the unpredictable isn't just about terrorist attacks and coup attempts. For example, the country's recent run of elections, culminating in a controversial referendum that some saw as sanctioning of a democratic dictatorship, also created a period of uncertainty. Quote, it's very unfortunate that we've had so many elections since 2015, concedes Sagan. That period caused lots of volatility, and we often found we were talking more about politics and macroeconomics than company specifics. But that's starting to change. Companies are looking forward to a period of political stability and economic reforms. 
Quote, with more than 50% of the vote needed for a win, the Covenant government is more incentivized to perform on economic reforms, says Sagan. In anticipation of that, there's more stabilization in the market and more focus on growth and economic performance. As a result, investors that feared a possible dictatorship six months ago are now asking questions about growth again. Talking Turkey William Scholes from Aberdeen Asset Management's Global Emerging Markets Equity Team, which continues to be a big investor in Turkey, describes what he wants to see in a crisis. How much does Aberdeen have invested in Turkish equities, and how has that changed since the start of 2015? Scholes says, Across our 12 emerging market strategies, we have approximately $2 billion invested in Turkey. Over the period from 2015, since when the value of lira-denominated assets has halved versus the US dollar, we have been active in topping up and top-slicing because of market volatility. Given the scale of currency devaluation, the value of our investments has reduced in the country, though the size of our allocation, the actual weight in portfolios, has changed far less significantly. Turkey has faced a number of crises since the start of 2015. What do you want from an IRO when it comes to crisis communications? Early, definitive comment on any disruption to operations is ideal, given it allows us to respond with similar speed to concerns from our clients. Ideally, this would be done to the full distribution list of investors, rather than on a piecemeal basis, according to size and perceived priority. But crisis management is a skill and framework we would expect to be well embedded in any high-quality business, and we wouldn't expect to be kept regularly abreast of the process of resolution. In short, We'd rather the company's efforts are focused where they're most needed. We wouldn't be in day-to-day contact with any of our holdings, though we would expect IROs to be regularly and easily available. To what degree does this change, depending on the nature of the crisis the company is dealing with? In politically charged circumstances, and especially when media outlets are being closely monitored, we accept that public comments can leave companies vulnerable. In such circumstance, IRR professionals might take steps to schedule a succession of brief calls with stakeholders to reassure them, insofar as they can, regarding the threat to ongoing operations. Can you share any examples of particularly good crisis communications you have seen from a Turkish firm? Among our holdings, there are many examples of highly sophisticated IR functions, but Coca-Cola Isosec, which operates in regions with a greater instance of geopolitical validity, not just certain parts of Turkey, but also Iraq, Syria and Pakistan, is notable for a prompt, centralised notification system. Wasn't that nice? That's part of a set of audio articles which Standard or Pro-IR magazine subscribers can stream or download. Up next, how artificial intelligence it's alive. Alive. can help you do better, quicker peer and industry analysis. AlphaSense is a smarter-than-average search engine built specifically to understand business language. It's already heavily used by sell-side people and a good chunk of the world's equity hedge funds. A couple of years ago, Zach Rothberg came on board as AlphaSense's VP of IR services. My mandate was to lead the introduction of artificial intelligence to the investor relations community, helping empower IROs to enhance the speed of their research process and unlock deep insight by leveraging the same transformative technology as the buy and sell side. IR Magazine's Lori Havlock brought Zach together with Enlake Midstream's VP of IR and tax, Kate Walsh. Our goal is to run 
an IR center of excellence within Inlink Midstream. To learn more about how Walsh puts AlphaSense to work. Here now, some highlights from that event. Rothberg begins by introducing us to a few common examples of AI. Later on, Walsh details a specific IR use case scenario. Let's listen. This is what I think of when I think of AI. Watson. This is a place where you think of the topic semantic search. Watson uses semantic search to improve search accuracy by understanding the intent and meaning of a query by considering context, location, intent, variation, synonyms, and other related concepts. That's why Watson had success beating Ken Jennings as the Jeopardy champion. That's why, that's why Watson is able to help unlock um, complex data sets and help doctors respond to medical queries using a concept of AI something that you're interacting with more on a daily basis. Virtual assistants, Siri, Alexa, Google Home. They incorporate a concept of natural language processing, which is a field of computer science, artificial intelligence, and linguistics that are concerned with the interactions between computers and human, you know, natural languages. So really what that means is natural speech to help computers and software perform tasks, make your day easier, schedule things on the go, order an Uber, order dinner, right? That's still another concept of artificial intelligence. Machine learning, something that you've probably heard of a lot. Uh, This is another concept um, of artificial intelligence, and simply put, it just means the abilities for computers to learn without explicitly being programmed. They take a contextual framework and uh, and devise uh, some models and algorithms that, that can learn make from predictions on data, often used in security systems to make sure that there are no abnormalities with daily patterns. So it's, it's a technology that can make you safer. Okay. Last example I'd like to talk through is, is maybe the robo-advisor. Um, so robo-advisor I think is a great, a great tool, something a lot of uh, millennials use today that are going to automate their wealth management. And they'll take machine learning and natural language concepts and some semantic search, and they'll optimize a customized portfolio for a retirement plan. Right? At the same time, the robo-advisor might be something that actually is a little bit annoying and not as much of your friend to investor relations officers. That's where we get our algorithmic trading um, using machine learning. And sometimes when your stock moves 5-10% and you don't have an answer why, it could be AI. That's the only time I say it might not be your friend. But really, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is powerful. It might seem mysterious, but it's something that you knowingly or not are interacting with every day, and it really is something that's meant to improve your life and make things easier and take you beyond where you can normally go. So why does this matter to an IRO? There's this really great quote I love from IDC in a study they published the other year, and that's, more information has been published in the last two years than in all human history. Data is only valuable if you're able to make sense of it and take action on it. If you had unlimited time, then all this data is great. But the reality is you don't have unlimited time. You need to do more with less and faster. When I think about some of the things that an investor relations officer is tasked to do, and this is just a small subset of that list, each one of these topics includes some form of competitive intelligence. And there is a real need to stay on top of your landscape to execute these tasks at a high level. Think about 
the examples that we talked about. Wouldn't it be nice if you had artificial intelligence that could understand business concepts, find information you need quickly across millions of documents, and give you a format that you can digest that data instantaneously? That's what artificial intelligence is. And I'd like to, to welcome in Kate Walsh and have her give a, a little bit of background and introduce how artificial intelligence has made a real-life impact on, uh, on her program and some of the challenges that uh, NLINK faces on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, thanks, Zach, for that introduction. Um, I think it might make sense to start with a use case of how we recently used AlphaSense to elevate the, the quality and timeliness of a key deliverable we just delivered to our CFO. Um, I'll first start off by saying that NLINK Midstream has never really given multi-year guidance before to the market, but where we sit today, we're very excited about our growth trajectory over the next three years, given um, all the expansions that we're doing. So the CFO recently challenged us to analyze what our peers have done with respect to multi-year guidance, um, what timeframes they used, what types of data points they gave. For example, in our industry, we use adjusted EBITDA a lot. Um, growth CapEx is key. Distribution coverage is very important, as well as some leverage ratios. Uh, so we were looking at what, what other peers have done before us. Um, we wanted to know how they fared from a look-back perspective. Did they give too much forward-looking guidance such that when they missed, they were penalized by the analyst community. So there were quite a lot of subparts to our CFO's challenge for us. Um, and when he gave us this new work project, um, we already had about 120% of our time already spoken for. So this was above and beyond all the other things that we were doing in terms of investor meetings, investor calls, conference preparations, um, preparing for the upcoming quarter, and a host of other items that were on our plates. Um, and so we were a bit overwhelmed and, and didn't really know where to start with. What we did know is that we didn't want to shoot in the dark and pick a peer that had never done multi-year guidance and then uh, lose time and traction that way. Um, so, so what we did is, is we alpha-sensed it. So we've, we've made alpha-sense into a verb, like instead of Googling it, we, we alpha-sense it. And so we, we turned to the alpha-sense tool that we have been using for about six months and we did a bunch of um, keyword searches and were able to quite quickly narrow down into some of our closest peers and what they've done. Um, and AlphaSense searches um, you know, a broad range of information out there, uh, like presentations that our peers have done, press releases that our peers have released, 10Ks, 10Qs, analyst reports that have been written on our peers, even 8K filings came up with valuable information in them. And so within a day, we were able to put together a succinct summary of what our peers had done and what we felt was well-received versus not well-received in the market. Um, and we had the confidence that we had done a thorough analysis. And, and I would say that without AlphaSense, that same task, which took us a roughly a day, would likely have taken several days um, and added more stress from a personal um, standpoint on my team um, and stress professionally in that we wouldn't have had the peace of mind that we did that we were doing a thorough job. So um, just in light of, of that one to do, uh, we really benefited from AI out there from an IR perspective. And that's all for this week's Ticker Podcast. But before we go, here's some lowdown on 
upcoming events. The IR Magazine Global Forum is an international event that brings together IR pros from around the world to network and hone IR best practice. After four years in New York, we're moving the forum to Paris. That's in France, y'all. The two-day event also includes our prestigious award ceremony that recognizes the global top 50, a worldwide ranking of IR excellence. That's October 3rd and 4th at the fabulous Marriott Champs-Élysées Hotel. And it's being held in association with CLIF, the French Association of Financial Communications Professionals. And October 4th in Toronto, the IR magazine Think Tank Canada 2017. It's a free, invitation-only event exclusively for senior corporate in-house IR professionals. The Toronto Stock Exchange is this year's venue. Same day, same city, at the TV Tower. The latest of our new global series of events aimed at improving the role and value of women in IR. Go to irmagazine.com to get more details and request an invite on this, the Canada Think Tank, and the Global Forum in Paris. And while you're there, check out IR Space, a social network and resource site designed especially for IROs just like you. Next week, wise words from wise women. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cossette. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app. Once there is awareness, people will be extremely afraid, as they should be.